Hi, welcome to Joyful Projects, where we're going to explore the secret to real excellence in transforming our ideas into a reality. I'm Paul Armstrong, and hey, you know what? If you have the responsibility to accomplish a project, to transform what is just an idea into a reality, and if you happen to have a leadership role in that, then hey, this may be for you. I'm sharing what I had the blessing to learn over a lot of years from being with a lot of teams. And you're going to hear so much that will echo what you find in most books on project management, but I'm not going to use that manage word, okay? But here's the real reason I like sharing what I've learned. I found that to really understand and apply what truly accomplishes ideal projects, it's founded in what I believe is the truth, namely God's word. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Sunday's message and apply it to our Monday mission in a refreshing, helpful way. I'd appreciate if you subscribe, and hey, if you're new to the podcast, you can learn more about me at enablingjoy.com. But meanwhile, let's get moving. This is episode number seven, bringing the outside in. Okay, where have we been so far? You know, we, we talked about the components of enabling joy, and we saw there were three of them. Then we talked about the components of engaging excellence, and we've covered two of the three. Okay, the first one was what's on the table. We called it the rational four, dealing with scope, schedule, cost, quality. Okay, then we talked about who's around the table. Okay, our family around the table, right? And we talked about the relational three, our in-house family, the contractor family, the stakeholder family. So now, now we're all around the table, know what's on the table. Let's figure out if there's anything in the pantry. Okay, what's our supply? And then also, let's figure out, hey, is his bad weather going to cancel the party? Okay, risk. We're going to call this the readiness to. Are you ready? Are we ready? And we're going to cover it briefly in this podcast. We are going to come back to both of these topics in our journey. But right now, let's figure out the way we want to frame it so that we can go about engaging excellence and enabling joy. Remember, I'm not going to use that word that's used in all the other books that starts with an M. So let's think about the first one. I call it supply. Now, some folks might call it procurement or or buying or, or whatever. I like the word supply, and here's why. Is that it's very powerful to think of our business, even the project, as a process. And the I found that over the last 25 years, the, the best tool for talking about that is, is called a SIPOC or SIPOC, S-I-P-O-C. And it's just a very simple graphical way that you lay out what that is an acronym for, S-I-P-O-C. stands for supplier, input, process, output, customer, S-I-P-O-C. I, I reframe it a little bit. That I don't like to use the word P for process because, well, it is a process. So I call that the transformation. That's where the input, the I, is transformed into an output. The gazinta gets transformed into gazauta. Okay. But then on either end, we have this supply. And on the other one, we have something we call C for customers. I also like to use the word outcome and that the C is the, is in the middle of the word outcome. And here's why is that then when we look at it as a process, we get the tangible stuff. So, if, you know, if the project's to build a house, we have a house. But what's the outcome? The outcome might be an affordable home for somebody. You know, if we're doing a project that maybe is a marketing campaign, yeah, the output might be some social media 
website or, or whatever, but the outcome is the attraction of customers, right? Similar on the other end, we talk about supply and then we have the word input. Input is now what I have in my hand that, that I'm ready to transform into an output. And in projects, it's pretty much the ideas. You could almost say the SIPOC is the idea. So then what's the supply? Okay. The, the supply is sort of the stuff that we need from others. Okay. It's the stuff we need from others. It might be raw materials or it might be raw data. Okay. So it may be tangible or intangible. It's the stuff that we kind of don't have a lot. We may think don't have a lot of control over. And that's, that's the key there. But what do we need to do? Well, in my work of enabling joy, you've, you've heard me reference Dr. W. Edwards Deming, because that's, that's where I first saw the phrase about enabling joy at work. And in that model that he has, he talks very sincerely about, you know, we, we need to build a partnership with our suppliers. We can't deal with them on this contractual transactional basis. They might need that for, for legality reasons, but we're talking about your very attitude. And so let's think about entrusting the supply. One, we're going to trust that we have it when we need it, okay? But we are entrusting that need with someone else. And when we put it in that context, we see that we can kind of walk away from, from having to deal with, with the, the idea that, ah, let's get the lowest bidder. Well, if that's, if that's how we want to approach them, you're not putting yourself at a good advantage for what I would call an entrusting relationship, okay? Because you know, you only walked into it because well, they gave you the lowest dollar, all right, uh, offer. When we do this, what we've done is elevated our opinion, our attitude of those that are providing for us what we can't provide for ourselves. And when we, ha- when we realize that, it really puts us in a very powerful relationship, almost very similar to what we were doing in the last, when we talked about the last episode about having, you know, treating them as family, the in-house family, the contractor family, the stakeholder family. So maybe we need to have an extended family here. So let's think about entrusting the supply. That's our job in a joyful project is to entrust the supply. Now we got the really, the the other part on the other end here. The other end is, hey, is it going to be bad weather? There's stuff that happens in the world over which we don't control that it happens, but we can control how well we can respond. Okay, we don't want to react. We want to respond. All right. Now, respond means that we take responsibility, respondability to this action. And therefore, it's not something that happens to us. It is something that happens and we choose how we want to respond to it. Risk is in that realm. And other things that we think might happen, might likely happen, might rarely happen. And we want to be able to respond to them, right? Well, the first thing we have to realize is that we're dealing in the world of prediction. Okay. We're dealing in the world of prediction here. If we knew it was going to happen, then we just plan for it, right? If we know it's going to happen, like we know the sun's going to come up. We know a holiday is going to happen. We know summer vacation is going to happen. We know that. We plan for that stuff. We're talking about, well, well, how about if this really bad weather event happens? How about if, if somebody cancels this money flow? How about if somebody changes a requirement or a rule? Wow. Okay. We, we want to be able to respond to that. And so the first part we need to realize is that we are not talking about facts here. We're talking about probabilities. And we're talking about 
our ability to look ahead at all the possibilities that have a probability, (laughs) how do you like that for a sentence, of happening, right? What I'd like to suggest is that we first walk into this by framing this whole area of risk as intuiting risk. You know, because when we always remind ourselves that we are dealing in the world of what if, what could be, what might be, it allows us to be better equipped to deal with the gray space, the gray of very likely to not so likely to rarely. That keeps us in a better frame of mind. It it walks us away from a, a false determinism about, about risk. So a lot of tools out there, a lot of tools. We're, we're equipped with so many more tools in this day and age that help us give us some really good quantification on the risk. And those are great because what we do realize is that we as human beings, that risk is is by nature pretty subjective, okay? Pretty subjective. It allows us to sort of hold a mirror up to our subjectivity and see how valid it is. Because we know as human beings, we we tend to picture the monster in the closet. Remember, risk is two dimensions. and Actually, it's it's kind of three dimensions, okay? So one is... How likely is it? And another dimension is how much is it going to hurt? And then another one is uh, that some folks use. It's using a tool called FEMA, uh, Failure Effect Modes Analysis, is do we have a way of knowing it's coming? Like, do we have any, can we hear the, can we hear the gun go off and, and duck before the bullet arrives? In other words, so our brains need to, they, they actually struggle to keep all three of those. And, and here's why. Think about this. When a kid is in the bedroom at night and the closet door is a little open and they, they're looking in the dark closet and they get a little nervous, what are the hinks in the closet? They, go, they don't think it's grandma with cookies, right? Even though they've seen grandma with cookies. They think it's a monster, something they've never seen. Well, that's what our brains do is that when the, it tends to see the impact very, very clearly and it tends to somewhat hide the likelihood. And, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. And so there's, that's where the tools come in that help us, help us do a better idea of quantifying, like, okay, what is the probability, the likelihood that it's actually a monster in the closet? I realize if it is a monster, ooh, that's bad news. Got it. High impact. But what's the likelihood? So we're going to use the tools, but all along, we're going to face this with the attitude knowing we are working on the what if, what could be, what, what might be world, the intuition side of our brain. For those of us who, who are a little nervous about that, it's a good reminder. It helps us have the conversation a lot better when we're planning how we're going to build our ability to respond to various risks and how much we want to build and how much we want to just say, so be it. Okay. So we've got the readiness to, are you ready to? entrust your supply. What a great way to look at that. And are you ready to intuit risk? So it's very brief. Like I said, both of these topics are going to come up again and again in our journey as we walk through the life cycle of our transformation of an idea to a reality. Okay. Remember we talked about it's a drama. Okay. And we're going to walk through that drama. But this is a good introduction. So now we have it. Now we have all three components of engaging excellence, the, the rational four, the relational three, and the readiness two. 
All righty, that's it for today. Looking forward to getting together with you again in about a week. Meanwhile, you take care. Bye-bye.